You're watching the Love Thy Neighbor Podcast Network. everybody live live sorry for the technical difficulties last week but that's the uh that's the joys of doing this thing um it is friday once again which means it is time for kingdom on the road and we have um a special episode for you guys this week because um, so much of what we've been doing has been basing around um, having conversations that are applicable to the everyday Christian, whether it be somebody who is um, charged with leadership or somebody who is just walking through life. Because the thing that you find the longer that you do this thing is that there's some flavor of question that's applicable to everybody. If one person asks it, that means multiple people are asking it, which means, and, and more often than not, the person that you think isn't asking that question anymore is still asking that question. And so um, this week we are doing a Q&A. Um, we tried to uh, pre-record this last, uh, last week because we weren't going to be able to be live. Didn't really work out. So here we are. Um, Honestly, I'm excited to do this live because I, I think it'll be good um, to hear from you guys and hear you guys' um, <clears throat> two cents on this whole thing because um, while these aren't softballs, <laughs> they're, they're just not. Um, and, and so, and, and along the way, we'll also be taking questions from you guys um, in the chat. So if you're watching along, as always, the gimmick in the in the uh, the lower left here is is not just a not just a, a little saying. Seriously, chime in. A, we want to hear from you guys when it, when we hit the when we hit the questions that we have planned for, and then B, your questions matter to us. So so put your questions in, and if they're big enough questions to dedicate an entire episode to, they might not get answered this this time, but they they certainly will get kept. And and we will we will address them um, in the future. So, anything to add in before we crack into our first question? <clears throat> no, I, I'm I'm excited. Like you, I, I'm excited. Um, hopefully, as people are um, getting the alerts that we're that we're live, that you guys hop on and jump into this discussion um, because, uh, like you yeah. said, I, I think it's gonna be fun. I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah. 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 And and. Uh, honestly, guys, and, and just so you are you are you know aware, we are, we will not we're not the types to shy away from anything. But if you happen to ask us a thing that requires a whole lot of research and academic legwork and all of that kind of stuff, we do reserve the right to be like, we'll hit you up after we've had a minute to look into that and right. and all of that. You know what I mean? Um, before we get started, we've got Epic in the chat. Good morning, all. I have a meeting at 8, but I look forward to listening until then. Good morning, Epic. Morning. Pleasure, as always, to have you with us. Um, okay, so we are kicking into our first question, and that 
is God, does God hear the prayers of unbelievers? So I'll, I'll, I'll get, I'll get the ball. I'll get the ball rolling. Um, oftentimes when you hear this question, there's a directionality that, that seems to exist under the surface to this kind of, to this kind of question. And, and I don't want to assume where anybody's at asking this question, because it might just be a matter of this is how I've heard it asked, or this is the language that I have to reach for. I don't mean anything by it, but that's the language that I have. And that's absolutely, I want to leave, I want to leave room for that to be, for that to be a thing. I do think sometimes that that's not necessarily the case. I do think that sometimes there is this, this, like I said, directionality to this. Um, and, and this is one of those questions that I think requires um, a bit of legwork to understanding what, what exactly is prayer as at, before it even, how does it relate to believers versus unbelievers? Right. And I think that prayer is one of those things that in and of itself can get a little bit dicey because on one hand, it's either blessing for food or it's asking for whatever you want and it will be given to you unto faith. Or it's dialogue and conversation between God and believer. And those are not, I'm not, that's not an exclusive list. That's just three of the more popular responses to, if you were to ask a room full of people, what is prayer? Um, then, you know, and so... I want to start that off with dialogue versus monologue, because if it's a monologue, that's different than than if it's if it's a dialogue between between creator and created. Yeah, um, you know, when you say that, it, it makes me think about I think it's Matthew chapter six, um, where he talks about when you pray. Uh, go into your closet, right, and talk to your Heavenly Father. Um, and he goes on to say that your Heavenly Father knows what you have need of before you even ask. And so there's this idea that there is a, a, a two-way deal going there in that situation. But um, I think me and you have talked about this. There's another place where you have the uh, the, the, the tax collector and, and the Pharisee. Um, I think it's in Luke where uh, the Pharisee goes to God. There's no return, but he says to God, hey, I'm glad I'm not like this guy. <laughs> I do this and I do that and I do the other and I'm such a good person. And the other guy says, well, God, I'm a sinner. I'm wretched. I need your forgiveness help me. And Jesus says, well, this guy is more justified than the other guy. And like you said, this is the monologue. The, the, both of these are, both of these guys are, are praying in a sense towards God. There's no dialogue here. It's just monologue, right? And in that particular situation, 
the guy who was considered the sinner, Jesus says, was justified more because of what he was praying. And so when you talk about praying, I think the content of the prayer, you know, especially if we're talking about, like you said, the monologue side of it, that if I'm going to be praying towards God, am I praying according to his will? Am I praying in a way that he'll respond to? Or am I praying in a way that he'll push back? The Bible says that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so, yeah, you know, it's my initial thoughts on the monologue piece. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I, that that's the other side of the coin here because the reason why I even bring up the monologue versus dialogue side of it is it matters because in a, in a setting where it's monologuing that does not leave any room for hearing back from God or a response that it's just the man's the the human beings words going that one direction I'm trying to avoid using using going upward because that's just right, that's a right. that's a popular yeah imagery but but go the that it's a one-way street rather than a two-lane a two-lane street and it can seem like it's a one-way street if our heart isn't receptive to oncoming traffic if that makes sense if if we're if we're asking for a thing that we want it's based out of our own desire rather than god's will it can seem like it's uh, um for lack of a better phrase falling on deaf ears and that kind of mentality gets coupled oftentimes with a particular verse that gets used to address this particular question. And that's John 9 31. Um, we know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he listens to him. And that gets that gets extrapolated out to state that um okay so we know if a person is a sinner i.e somebody who is not following god then that means he doesn't listen to them but is is that actually what's being said there is that actually what that means because there are examples in the old testament and the new testament where people who are not longtime followers of God seem to have their prayers addressed and answered and and have that that response. And moreover, if if the barrier of entry for us being able to pray was just that we are sinners. Would would anybody be able to pray? Would anybody have access to, to prayer if that were the case? 
and now mind you i'm not i'm not dissecting what the bible says i'm dissecting the interpretive analysis of what the most common interpretation of this topic really is i'll leave that there let you pick <laughs> up on it um yeah in that john chapter uh nine is interesting because i th i think the the context suggests that the person saying this is uh referring to this as a hey there's no way that this guy could do this unless you know he was from god and the pharisees are like well this guy can't be from god right because why is he even dealing with you <laughs> you know why is he even right because the guy ends up being kicked out of you know the the, the synagogue and jesus finds him outside the synagogue you know and begins to speak to him and shares with him who he is and guy recognizes that he's the christ he says i believe uh but but the whole time their point is to ridicule jesus and to make him seem like he's not who he says he is and so when we say does god hear the prayers of an unbeliever well how would an unbeliever become a believer if god doesn't hear their prayers i right. think you know, in a sense of the monologue, and I like that you brought that in, in the sense of the monologue, that if the unbeliever is praying according to God's will, that desire to God to have mercy on him for that, for him to be saved, as in, and I'll, I won't mess with the sinner's prayer, I'll let you, <laughs> I, I won't mess with that, but, it, but if that, if that unbeliever is desiring to know God, why wouldn't God hear him, you know, right. versus the believer who has relationship with God and has the Holy Spirit. And now God can can speak into our heart, can guide us, can direct us. You know, so when we pray, we we we, we sense his response, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't want to get into theologically. You know, some people argue, can you hear his voice? Is it a voice? Is it? A... But God does lead his people. <laughs> he yeah. does guide us, you know. Yeah and direct us you know to what he desires and we sense that when we pray we can sense god answering and leading us um, right. uh, in that direction yeah i'll be the first one to admit for as much as i for as much as i am out of out of the network of creators and teachers and and pastors that i work with um I, I would wager that I probably speak about this immersive and living experiential relationship with God um, the most. It's kind of become my thing to talk about. I have never once heard a voice. I have never once seen a burning bush. Now, I, I make reference to in my come to Jesus moment, a supernatural experience that came by way of a, um, that, the my touch uh, sensory, um, rather than like hearing something or seeing something or something along those lines. So yeah, there's a lot of theological back and forth about whether or not it's a voice or this or that, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head and that 
what we're talking about here is something supernatural at the spiritual level. And so the best language that we can, that we can use for that is um, we feel it in our innermost being, right? We feel it deep down inside because it's outside of, it's not, it's not about feeling it. We say our heart, but our heart is just a muscle that pumps blood throughout the body. It's, 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 deeper than that it's it's that it's that layer that we don't have a tangible we don't have tangible concrete language for because it's not something that's tangible and concrete and so when when we talk about that dialogue piece when we talk about the guiding of holy spirit when we talk about those sorts of things that's the layer and the layer in which we're talking about and and I'll, i'll go ahead and pick up the ball of the of the sinner's prayer if we think that the sinner's prayer is a thing and that that's the entry point. Then doesn't that answer the question? I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna take aim. Uh, y'all have heard me take aim before on the on on the sinner's prayer. I won't even bother taking aim on the uh, on the sinner's prayer this time. I'm just saying that if it, if the sinner's prayer is a thing, then doesn't that answer this question? Yeah. If salvation is is if that's if that's the way that you conceive of the start of the relationship then how do you how do you repent in the first place right the bible's pretty specific about what we do when we, what what we're supposed to do when we sin repent turn to god how do you communicate through prayer yeah. <laughs> and so it's it's understanding the the that nuance that sheds light to you go back to john and if you read in its full context, um, nine is talking more about miracles than about like a specific guide to who who God hears and who God listens to and all of this kind of stuff. That's not really what what Jesus is speaking about there. And we and and moreover, in if you roll back to five, um, fourteen and fifteen. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, mm-hmm. he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. I emphasize that because that's its own that's its own can of worms, right? When you start talking about um what exactly that means and why and that's why part of why we're emphasizing his will because it doesn't matter if you've been to church for 50 years or if you're just coming around and your heart is just softening to the gospel it matters the posture in which you're in which you're praying if you're praying for a new house with 87 rooms in it and all of that kind of stuff just for the sake of having that that's different than praying for a house with 87 rooms in it so that way you can open up a foster home do something like that it's not about the work it's about the heart's intention behind it and we know that god's will is that no man shall perish and so that is really the heart of whether or not this this the our our prayers i'm gonna say get answered even that's a little sketchy because 
unfortunately, sometimes, even with the er most earnest of prayers, um, life doesn't always work out aces. And so, the I guess the final note before we turn to the to the comments here um, that I that I want to add to this is that does to 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 quite literally answer the question does god hear the prayers of unbelievers yes does god answer prayers outside of his will no <laughs> epics in the uh in the chat Wow, you both just made great points. And I will add that when we are believers and have the Holy Spirit interceding for us, he hears us, but we need that mediator. Yeah, the the scriptures talk about how Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf when we don't know what to ask or or what to pray. And that goes back to the supernatural component to prayer and understanding those dynamics of the relationship that that the that the that the creator and the created have in order to fully understand okay so how does this work for somebody who doesn't believe somebody who does believe somebody who is asking for something in his will something uh, somebody asking for something that is not yeah, and I think, you know, and hopefully you guys that are, are out there, jump in and, and give us your feedback on your thoughts on this particular question. Does uh, God you know, hear the prayers of unbelievers? <clears throat> because I think, and you said it earlier, Joe, that if he doesn't hear the prayers of unbelievers, then how do they become believers? <laughs> you know, right. you know, where, where, how did, where's the entry point if there's a such thing? Where does it start? Does it start with it? You know, because we, we think about it, Romans 10, um, and not just Romans 10, 9, and 10. When you go down further to verse 13, it says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord mm. shall be saved. Yeah. Now, whoever, <laughs> not just the good people, not just <laughs> the people that are already in, going to church every Sunday, <laughs> you know, right. quote, unquote, you know, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, it's really about, like you said, God's will. He answers according to his will, you know, and that goes for believer and unbeliever alike. Now, the relationship piece, like you said, the interaction between us and God is is within the confines of being a believer because now we receive the Holy Spirit. So now we have a connection to God. And like you said, that's a supernatural piece but on the inner. The inner man is changed and able to connect to God on a deeper, uh, more intimate level. And, and, and that, that is powerful in itself. But yeah. like you said, to answer it in simple forms, I like the way you answer it is that, does he, does he hear, uh, does he, God hear the uh, prayers of unbelievers? Well, yes. But does he answer prayers outside of his will? No. And so that, that's, th those are the key components there. So. Right. Um, so yeah, we are we are gonna go ahead and move on to our next question. But 
Um, I know there's a time delay. I know for some platforms, if you got, especially if you guys are watching on YouTube, um, there's there's oftentimes um, a bit of a lag from when we move on to the next topic to when you guys are seeing it. So um, if we need to come back to this topic, if if people uh, if you guys have more um, to throw in there. Um, go ahead and um, do that and we will circle back. Um, so question number two. Why is church attendance important? All right, y'all. Y'all better jump in on this one. <laughs> um, yeah, man, this is this is a, this is a topic that has been um, sketchy at best over the last three-ish years um, because the entire meaning of church was upended, right? I, and and this is one that if you would have asked me this a year ago, I'd have told you it's not, at least not in the conventional sense. Um, you know, the Bible is pretty specific. There's two, there's two dimensions to the, the fluidity of relationship, the river of relationship, if you will, right? One part of the water source feeds into another, feeds into a larger piece, a piece of the water source. And then part of that larger piece of the water source funnels off and then it's cyclical, right? the smaller piece of the water source is the interpersonal relationship between creator and created. And unfortunately, sometimes that entire concept gets thrown out when talking about um, a personal relationship with God, because there's, there's this temptation that happens a lot largely based off of what what the west has done to the concept of um evangelism but that's a whole other conversation um that i don't i don't need i don't need religion i have relationship um my relationship with god is between me and god i don't need to involve other people that sort of thing yeah and in an effort to combat that um we uh in an effort to combat that we've we've made it so that way a lot of people will will preach that it is only about the corporate but the issue with that is that 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 requires that you ignore large swaths of the Bible, because the Bible does talk about a, a personal dynamic to the knowledge that the creator has for the individual created. But we're also called that that's not that's not the sum total of the story that that then influences how we go about and interact with the corporate how we then go and be a part of our communities and all of that kind of stuff. So 
when you talk about something like church attendance, this gets complicated because a lot of times this gets turned into these, these big, long, um, you know, the, the, these pu pull in these beautiful Bible verses and these, these high level concepts and all of that kind of stuff. And it gets reduced down to go to church on Sunday. Um, if that's the sum total of that, then, then, uh, I'm sorry to say you've missed the point. Um, but likewise, we have to avoid the trap that I fell into and, and, uh, almost universally it's born out of a place of hurt. I'll, I'll, I'll be the, I'll go ahead and throw that one out there. Um, of, of stating that because when you, because the, of the fact that you open, when you open yourself up to relationship, you also open yourself up to the possibility of getting hurt that that doesn't give us license to then ignore the other part of scripture where it talks about the beauty of community and being around like-minded people and being around family and all of that kind of stuff. And so what that church attendance looks like is a really key part in extrapolating out what the answer is for this before you, um, before you jump in, we have a couple of people. Good morning. Glad you are with us. What's up, bro? <laughs> um and then Alyssa says to me it's important because we need to be around like-minded it's like a refreshing midweek during bible study and sunday to start our week off renewed yeah yeah i and i, and I would agree I, I think we want to view the church as who we are not a place that we go right i think that's one of the things that we we get hung up on did you go to church right, right. so when we see church attendance we think did you go to church you know um not just are you gathering together i think you know uh like the comment said and Alyssa, that's sister nikki um with like-minded you know, people refreshing, restoring, building each other up, you know, and being there for each other, but that not being the end of it, you know, that my goal is to get to the building, <laughs> you know, on this day or that day, rather than my goal is to come together with other believers and be strengthened and encouraged and fellowship. Yep. Um, uh, we use the term family, yeah. Uh, which for some people that has some some trauma attached to it. That you know, like you said, a lot of the individualistic um, belief around church attendance—that it's just me, me myself and God. All I need is King Jesus and nobody else. <laughs> you know, that comes out of the corporate do, being done wrong. That right. somewhere person was hurt somewhere a person was mishandled somewhere a person fell through the cracks you usually talk about you know um that falling through the cracks that people you know kind of get lost in the shuffle um right. because uh, the goal is not sometimes to be a family to be a people 
the goal is to get people in the room. And right. as long as I look up and there's a lot of butts in the seats and I see a lot of people, then we're having church, yeah. <laughs> you know, rather than, wait a minute, do you know these people? Right. Do you know who they are? You know, do you know their story? Are we really connected beyond this one day or maybe even two days? I, um, last night I was leading, um, a discussion and one of the guys goes, man, there's, this really is like an, like an economic model in certain regards, like a numbers thing. And when you talk about, um, saving souls, or you talk about, um, the spray and pray technique of evangelism and all of that kind of stuff, it really does become a model of, um, just mass just doesn't matter if it's sloppy it doesn't matter if you've scared person some somebody into the sea it doesn't matter how you did it you got people through the door and a lot of people have experienced that and for those of you that don't know that are that are in the viewing audience i know a lot of people who watch first run are um folks from that that walk closely with with aunt and i respectively um but if you are watching this and you are unaware um you you are you are speaking with and watching two guys that um sometimes you just have to do it yourself you know what i mean and and so we are both um church planters um i am part of the 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 house church scene um ants church looks started off like a house church but it went more of the the conventional um model of of a church and um but both of us very have have a deep longing to instill the idea of community and family when it when around this idea of um church that we are doing life together, that we are on mission together, that we are walking together more than just getting together on Sunday, more than just coming for the, you know, the, the, however you conceive at the end of the week, the beginning of the week, whatever, um, fill up. And then you go for that whole week and then you come back to Sunday for your fill up. And then you go, it was never meant, church was never meant to, meant to be that. Uh, that was that was not the model that was not the reason why the gathering of the saints was conceived and unfortunately when you talk about church and you talk about all of these things you hear a lot things like well i go to such and such a church because they have a great kids ministry i go to such and such a church because they, I, I can, I, I can go i can have my coffee i can watch the show and then i can split Look, no condemnation, y'all. I mean nothing. I come in peace. I seriously do. I know what I just said, and I know how many people fall into those two categories. Again, I come in peace. Because the realities of this and why it's important have to be distinguished based upon the realities of what church is, because otherwise the answer is it's not. The Otherwise the answer is I can use this. I can use this and I can get whatever teaching I please. Right. And 
if that's all you're doing, if you're just going for a concert and a TED Talk, or if you're just going so that way your kids can have a play date with other kids in a Jesus-flavored playground, then church attendance isn't important. But walking walking with folks and 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 trying to establish something like this has taught me that when you have a group of people that are on mission together that are familia we are family we are doing this thing together y'all there's there's nothing quite like it that is a powerful powerful thing and there's a reason why the bible speaks to such length about it and instills the level of importance to it yes there is something to be said for being in a room full of people and by osmosis you know at least you're hearing this that or the other and and sure okay i can understand that at some level um, get, getting teaching is better than not getting teaching. But again, if that's all you're doing, then you can do that from the comfort of your own home. And that's why a lot of people transitioned away from the model of right. going to a church on Sunday morning because they can, they realized, well, wait a minute. The only reason why I'm going here is to get the teaching. I'm already getting the teaching. So why do I need to go to the building? Mm. And, and that's, and, and moreover, that's why I think, a lot of people were left in a really awkward position over the last three years and didn't really know what to do with this new climate because you took away the rituals, you took away the routines, you took away the building, you took away everything that was at the heart and soul in the West of the church. And you were left asking the question, well, what's left? What yeah. is actually the church? If you took all of these things away, what is actually the church? Yeah. And when you think about it, and, and like what you said earlier, sometimes I think we've we've misunderstood the reason, the origin of the church. You know, when you go back to Acts chapter two and you look at what the church looks like, you know, after Peter preaches his phenomenal sermon, 3000 souls come and, um, um, into relationship with Christ, then the people are devoted uh, to the apostles doctrine worship fellowship breaking of bread they had all things in common the church was a refuge the church was you know the the gathering of the people um who were followers of christ that is uh, an, uh, a a mark of being uh, a part of the church is that there's safety in that place uh because the world around them had rejected them because they were following Jesus. Um, because today we've made church, you know, a lot more culturally acceptable, you know, as long as you're not stepping on anybody's toes about their sin, going to church is a good thing. You're, you're a healthy person. You're an upstanding citizen, you know, kind of situation. Whereas the church was built on the idea that this was like an ark where you're getting on board and you're coming together because you're preparing for the return of Christ. You're, you're, you're all coming together and you're rescuing people from the world 
into relationship you're, you know the bible says that we are chosen generation a royal priesthood a holy nation god's own special people proclaiming the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light and this idea that hey come out you know of the the, the rat race of this world chasing of sin the power of sin into this relationship with christ where you are free to worship god and know that you have a future, a destiny in Christ uh, to be with the Lord uh, forever. And so that idea, I think, gets uh, convoluted because a lot of people come to church to feel better about their life, to be encouraged to uh, pursue their hopes and their dreams. And like you said, use the term TED Talk. And I laughed. I was like, oh, man. How many sermons do sound like a TED talk with right. religious flavoring? <laughs> you right. know, you know, uh, we're using Jesus. We're using Holy Spirit. We're using, you know, power of God. But really, we're talking about you achieving um, your best life now, you achieving your your your, your dreams and your hopes uh, for bigger business, for making more money that, you know, you being a person of significance and feeling better about yourself and instead of understanding that no the goal is to uh, build this relationship with god that begins now and lasts for eternity and to help other people uh to have that relationship too because this world is going to end this is not our heaven this is not our ending place this is not the final destination for us by no means that there's more for us. And if we put all of our hope in this place and we preach all of our hope in this place with the sprinkling of Jesus can get us those things here, then church attendance um, becomes important to some people because it's a place where I'm encouraged, not because it's a place where I belong. And this is, you know, what scripture teaches. And so, like you said, why is church attendance important? I mean, the essence is, is that's where we we that's who we are when we when we come together um worship god together commune together be on mission together and be a family together um not just as you said listen to a great band and a ted talk right yeah and look i i of all people um can appreciate what this looks like when you're trying to reconceive what this what this looks like yeah um because this is you're you're talking to a guy that um had a had a such a concentrated whirlwind of stuff happen in a period of time that has now led with this current posture and position of being somebody charged with the caring of people's souls while also trying to work through my own trust issues as far as trusting people from the church. This is not an easy topic to navigate because generally, if you're talking about this, if you're asking this question, then then there's some kind of something there that that weight that provides a, a weight on the scale in the favor of it not being important and so 
the the biggest piece of advice that I can give when trying to do this, to, when trying to um, work this out. Okay, so so we've I've now heard um, that it matters what the the system looks like. It matters what the situation looks like. It matters what the dynamic of the group looks like and all of that. Okay. So what does that look in, look like in application? What does it look like to do church like acts two? What does it mean to be family? Okay. As you're, as you're working all of that out, try to separate out. Okay, whatever just happened, there is massive interference coming through on your end. I just had to mute you because I, I don't know if y'all can hear that in the in the audience, but I certainly could. It almost sounds like you switched mics, like it's feeding from a different source. I just unmuted you and it's still going. Um, but I'll give you a second to get all that worked out. Um, you so so as you're as you're working this out, just just prayerfully take wrestle with these things with God because, and, and try to do so in a posture that separates out um, the dynamics that we know to be true, to, to be church as, as citizens of the West and, and put it into the context of church and and the gathering of the saints as it pertains to what the bible talks about because if we're able to differentiate that then you can see why it's so important to find a group of believers that you can do life with um purposefully and intentionally um even it, it, but but and then on top, and then from there is when you can start to square the circle of the difficult track of trying to find a church that actually does this. Ah, better say something. Cool. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, and 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 again, that's that's part that's part of why, and and we took. If you listen to Ant's story and you listen to my story about how we got to the positions that were that were in wildly, massively different, like. But but the but the through line in the continuity is starting something from from scratch. You know what I mean? Yeah, you, like you said, you know, we're do-it-yourself guys. Like, all right, I'm yeah. gonna run around and just keep critiquing everybody else. Right. right. Let, you know what? I see what Scripture says. Let's go ahead and do it. Let's yeah. go ahead and, and 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 build that type of community. And it is counter Christian cultural. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds crazy. But a lot of times, you know, I'm sitting with guys, especially new people who join, and we have long conversations about what this looks like and helping them to understand that I understand that this looks different. Yep. Than probably what you've seen before or what your expectation is. But we are a body, we are a family. We are a team with no big eyes and little U's. We we are in this thing together to uh, strengthen, encourage one another, reach those who don't know God, 
be on mission together, shoulder yeah. to shoulder. There's no stars yeah. at the show. You know, right. I'm not, oh, he's, he's, he's the great whatever. No, um, uh, we're, we're, we're all a family. We all come to the table. We are all in this together. My job is to facilitate and encourage and build up and strengthen and then watch everybody blossom and bloom. Uh, we were talking about it last night. It's like a family that as, um, as, as the dad, I, I want to see my kids, you know, exceed me, go, you know, yeah. all that got not stay under me and listen to me. And, you know, um, I got my brand, you know, because we have that kind of language in the church now. And I know people are going to be mad at me for saying that, but the, the church is, is not a brand. It's not a, no. you know, a, 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 a product that we're selling. It's not, you know, it's a life that we're living and it's a reality that we've come to understand for it to be true, you know, that this is true. And so we live like it's true, you know, and that doesn't mean perfection because some people think, well, if you're, if you go to church, then you're perfect. <laughs> that, that's a misconception because you're misunderstanding what it's, you know, the whole point of it is to grow together and come together. So why is church attendance uh, important? I think the hurdle is understanding what the Bible says is important about it. You know, that it's unity, it's oneness, it's family, it's a household. There's actually a scripture that says that the church is the household of God. And when you look right. into the, that, that means that this is a family that comes together, that we are together and we are uh, God's people uh, by way of Jesus Christ <laughs> and the deposit of the Holy Spirit, which seals us. Um, and we come together to encourage, fellowship, strengthen, and be on mission together with each other. Yeah, yeah. And it might sound like when we talk about these two, like this topic, the last topic, like we're splitting hairs, but it's a matter, these things are significant to get right because you have the this open door, right? There's nothing new under the sun. People, the, 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 the modern context that we have for all of these misconceptions about Jesus and about... Um, you know, if I pray for this thing and I can have it and I can I can have whatever I want, it is done in Jesus. Or if it's, you know, um, what matters is get, you know, in order to be a real man, you got to get your family to the church building every Sunday. That's what it means to be a real man of God. The problem with allowing for those things and saying it might be sloppy, but at least it gets people there is a broken watch is right twice a day. <laughs> that even if it happens to get it right every once in a while, how many times is somebody looking at that watch and late for something because the watch is broken? How many times are people hurt by this? And that matters. And, and yes, I am biased because a very substantive portion of what I do as a pastor is helping people through church hurt. I, I would have never guessed how big of a portion of what I do on the daily would be helping people through that. I, I, that would have never crossed my mind. But it is, and here we are. And so 
I understand full well, boots on the ground, why this is so important. So it may seem like I'm being heavy-handed towards the West, and part of it is all of the all of the times that I work with people from other parts of the world, and understanding that they they get that oh hey the fig tree not a not a means to say that you can have whatever you want the fig tree was an object lesson of of this is the, knowing the, doing what you're supposed to be doing doing fulfilling the purpose that you were supposed to, that you were supposed to be fulfilling or 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 relationship being about more than what you can get out of it and all of that kind of stuff like it's all of those things that other parts of the world get in spades that consumerism doesn't allow for in the in the context of consumerism and so while i may be being heavy-handed in certain areas it's coming out of a place of love because when we understand the actual context of all of these things in their proper place that's where the actual beauty comes from yeah all right what we got so, next <laughs> all right so um number three and like we said at the end of the last one if you have if you guys are watching this and there's a time delay and you've got more to say about um amen amen good to amen. have you with us this morning good morning sir um so if uh if there's more to be said to be said about this go ahead chime in below um we will double back if need be so um, this next question comes with a trigger warning um, because there's this has a way of, of going hand in hand with some really heavy topics. What is the age of accountability? So generally, if you're asking this question, um, you're asking this question because you would like to know what the age is where somebody can be held accountable for their sin. And if you're asking that question, that means that you have been exposed to the realities that sometimes young ones pass away. Um, you know, this is not this, this, this is messy, right? Because it, the temptation is to, is to go right into um, answer the question, this is a thing, this is this, this is that. Um, but I want to take that beat at the, at the beginning to say, like, look, um, hear, hear all of what we're saying out because this is deep, this is nuanced. Um, because it, it's, it's on the peripheries of major league topics. Yes, the actual answer is kind of short and succinct, but there's there's ripple effects off of off of a question like this. So yeah, oh, good. Yeah, um, I, I I was gonna I was gonna let you let you run with this one, you know, because I know for you there there is a uh, a passion for this particular question. You know, yeah. because of life experience that you had. And so I don't know if you want to kick it off or you want me to kick it off. Um, you know, and then those that are in the comments, if you're if you're out there, you know, what is the age of accountability? Um, you know, answer that question for us. Uh, drop something in the comments. 
let's talk through this together as we are, you know, kind of working this out on the air. I mean, because like you said, Joe, there's actually a pretty simple answer to this, you know, but it's so layered and so charged, right, with emotion and pain, and it could be mishandled, and we don't want to mishandle uh, this particular question. So uh, folks in the comments, please chime in on this one. And yeah, Joe, I want to, I want to kick this one to you and, and then I'll, 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 you know, sweep up the loose (laughs) fragments afterwards. (laughs) So a lot of people who have, who have heard about this concept of um, the age of accountability, some of you may be thinking 13. Um, so, so for those that don't know, that actually comes from, um, a a Jewish custom where that's, that's kind of the point where a young man, um, well, young man by our standards, um, becomes a man. And, um, that's why you have the ceremonies that you have within the Jewish customs. Um, but that idea of this is the point where, you switch from being from from being held accountable to not be or from not being held accountable to being held accountable that age that that distinction doesn't exist scripturally um nowhere in the bible does it give an, an a number for that um and and I would reckon, like Ant said, um, this this question hits home for me. Um, so I would reckon that the reality is that that persists and and endures as an answer because um, if you know, you know the depths of what I'm about to say, but if you don't know, um, I will go out on a limb and speak for just about anybody who has experienced this and and you just, you want a, any, any measure of peace about this, any measure of security, any measure of any of it, right? And like, this is, the, this whole idea of, of why, young ones pass and how these things happen and all of this kind of stuff. Um, man, this is one that, that has a way of, of either gravitating people toward God or pushing people away from God. And to really understand the realities of this, we need to understand the character of God. Now, there are various examples, and Ant, if you've got one um, readily ha- readily handy or can get one re- readily handy, um, I don't want to clickety-clack on the, uh, on the keys um, and, and distract people from this, but there are, t- there are examples that Jesus uses children as object lessons for the love of God, through, for what the kingdom of God looks like, all of that kind of stuff, right? Um, and I say object lessons here because 
um, they are being used as an object lesson, but there's a reason why they're being used as an object lesson. Let's not lose sight of the object in the object lesson just because it's an object lesson. And um, you can go ahead and jump in whenever if you've if you've got one. Um, but when when you when you understand that there is a picture of innocence when it comes to children that does shed light to what god thinks of children how god views children and all of that kind of stuff you know what i mean yeah while you were talking i was um pulling up matthew um 19 uh where uh jesus you know, he talks to his disciples and he is encouraging them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of heaven. And that, you know, his, his heart posture is, let's think about this. If, you know, anyone's out there, uh, first and foremost, you know, my heart goes out and my condolences because I can't imagine what it would be like to lose a child um uh, two years ago i did a a funeral of a two-month-old um now imagine how difficult that was to stand up there and 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 try to comfort and console a family who their their child you know made it two months <laughs> just heartbreaking right jesus here says let the little children come to me now, this is little children who are, I don't know, of age where they can walk and talk and go. You don't think that that's his heart for children that are younger than that? <laughs> Wouldn't that still be his heart? Is that there's no way that he would refuse, you know, uh, a child uh, of, of any age. And so when we talk about this age of accountability, like you said, it's either uh, born out of the pain of wondering like what's the outcome here um or on the other side of it um some people use it uh, you know as a way to uh, again and i i just despise this about um some uh church belief systems to um to almost to belittle someone and say you know well you know at this age you have to do this and you have to do that. So you got, you know, people that are forced to be baptized, right? Because, well, you're at an age where you have to do this now. You have to do your catechism now. And you have to do this now because you're at the age of accountability where the Bible doesn't really teach that, you know. But what the Bible does teach is for um, the children to come um, and to come because they are he said such are the kingdom of heaven um and that for a lot of instances they are the example of what it looks like to have faith what it looks like to really um be engaged with god and so um i think at the end of the day i would have never even thought about this as a sensitive subject when i first I mean, years ago, when people would talk about the age of accountability, you kind of just talk, yeah, it's 12, it's 13, it's this, it's that. 
but when you consider, you know, why somebody would ask this question, it makes you slow down. It makes yeah. you pause, you know, and take a beat, right? And 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 be careful, you know, as the Bible says, be circumspect, you know, um, really pay attention and do some investigation so that you're not kind of just throwing things out there. And so, yeah, I, I, I the, the the short answer is that the Bible doesn't teach um, an age of accountability. And if there's anybody out there that's watching that does have scripture or something that you know uh, they can say well i think this is what it is please share it and let's talk through it um because from my understanding of what i've studied and read i haven't seen it right. but that doesn't mean that i know everything right so yeah. so if you if you do have something please share it um in the comments and, and we'll talk through it but that's my short answer is that i don't really see this concept in scripture yeah, and that's and and I'm glad that you I'm glad that you raised that point of we are we are far from like the world's foremost authority and the last thing that we want you guys to do is run off and say well Aunt and Joe said that's not no 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 our our goal is to equip people with the ability to be able to wrestle these things out with God in a thoughtful and legitimate way and i say legitimate because if you're looking for answers there are legitimate practices that you can be doing in order to get those answers and not just going with oh this is what i heard and that goes for us we don't want you to say oh this is what we heard what we heard from this guy and i've i've gotten to this point of checking my ego at the door uh, and and being able to say well i'm actually really interested to hear from another person who thinks that they've got the beat on this thing if it's different than me it doesn't mean that i'm going to agree with you it doesn't mean that we need to agree it doesn't mean you need to agree with me so um don't think that just because you know we have stated our stance and if you are coming with an age that would mean that you disagree with us um we're not trying to we're not waiting to spring a trap on you and beat you up for uh, for for chiming in. Um, we really try to make it a make it a point to thoughtfully, even when because there's there's been plenty of people who have chimed into our comment section who disagree with us and all of that, and it's all good. Uh, but you know, we we just we we want to have the conversation. So, um, I want to I want to provide a a bit of a bit of hope in a bit of a bit of of perspective on this before we move forward um because essentially you answered the question um that that to the best of our academic perspective um to the be to the best of the 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 hours that we've spent studying um the scriptures um that this is that that there are man-made concepts called the called the age of accountability um but but absolutely no directive or distinction made from God, that there is a cutoff point. Um, so I want to turn to what is the single most famous verse in the entire Bible? John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, so, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life let's let's take the beat on the first part of that for god so loved the world when we understand the distinction 
that God loves us. Yes, we have reverence, we have love, we have respect, we have all of those things. Those things outpour out of out of us as a part of this dynamic and as a part of this relationship as believers, as Christians. But for those who believe, for those who don't believe, for those who are 80 plus and have ran the race, and those that aren't even old enough to get out the gate, God loves and when we talk about the age of accountability, we're talking about when is a person responsible for their faith, i.e., when is a person engaged in their salvation? That's really what this, com what this conversation comes down to the crux of. And we said it. We said it with the with the last two. I actually, I think we've brought it up every single one of these questions. But it's important. What is God's preferred will? That no man shall perish. There's a reason why C.S. Lewis calls the residents of hell successful rebels to the end, because this is something that man has the opportunity to accept or reject. What the age of accountability is to, is talking about is when when do you have that ability to accept or reject? And while there's not a firm line given, what we do have is tons of examples and access to the character of God. Sometimes displayed through the actions of the Old Testament, other times displayed through the personhood of Jesus. And we know that that God is unwilling to let any man perish. And so if it's if it's a if it's a youth, if it is somebody that um, the other periphery topic when it comes to this um, are people who are um, physically incapable of making a decision in reconciling um, morality, matters of faith, different things like that. Um, there is a phrase that, but but uh, somebody recently told me that the phrase that I use is antiquated. And so um, I, I'm, I'm not trying to be offensive in any way, shape or form. But y'all, y'all get what I'm trying to say, hope, uh, hopefully, but I don't know the proper the proper phrase. So I'm, I'm neglecting to use any phrase right, right this very second. Um, The reality is this is why it's important to understand the character of God because it understands because it gives you a picture into how he sorts these pieces out and how he reconciles the the idea of our limited carbon-based life forms and the fact that bad things happen all the time. I've been accused of being the the Debbie Downer in the room because I'm unafraid to call out the realities of this world. Look, if people find, find joy and peace and happiness in this life and they have a good situation and they don't experience some of these pains and traumas and all of that, awesome. I love that a guy 
that I have been doing life with, that I've been doing ministry with for well over a year now, that that we we know each other and have each other's backs can't necessarily speak to this in the same kind of way. I love that. That that does my heart well that he has no idea what the sting of this looks like. And but but please understand for all of you that see the barreling of June 18th coming that that train's coming straight down the tracks, please understand that you are prayed for. Please understand that you are you are in you 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 are in my prayers because i i my words cannot do justice to the severity of this uh, of of this pain and situation the only thing that i can do is point people to the character of god and that for god so loved the world that there is a reconciliation there is a bridge made that takes into account the 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 physical limitations and traumas of this world so um if if you need prayer um about this and this is something that that you um struggle with and all of that kind of stuff there are um there 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 are ways to get in touch with aunt and myself um i do understand that this is something that not everybody wants to hit up the uh public comment section about um if you look up buddy walk with jesus <clears throat> if you look up kingdom on the road um if you interact with either one of those uh facebook profiles um you're talking to me but those those conversations, um, I, I will also share share with Ant, so Ant will be aware of of being able to pray and all of those kinds of things as well. Um, so seriously, um, do not hesitate to, re to to reach out because this is not something that we are meant to walk alone in. Men, please understand, and and women too. I'm just I'm I'm. It's two guys speaking to speaking from the male perspective. So I'm not trying to single out women who would also be watching this as well. So anything else said to this before we move on? Nope. Nope. All right. So, um, a little bit more of an easier one to answer. Um, is Jesus a myth? Um, no, moving on. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, there's a reason why um, most of the time we um, hear this question asked uh, or we hear Jesus refuted. Um, it's not very few people in the academic world will try and state that Jesus never existed. Usually the argument comes down to, was he actually the son of God? Is he actually divine? But the man of Jesus, um, there's there are there is a lot of evidence that um, that would point to 
the substantiation of his existence. But before I want to, or before I, I start rattling off academia, um, I, I want to give you a chance to roll with this because this is another one that has a way of being um, kind of a pointed question a lot of the time that it's asked. Yeah, um, I think in this day and time, this Jesus myth deal, as you said, is really about, uh, it's born out of, and I'll frame it this way. I had a conversation with someone even yesterday about this idea of Jesus being a myth because there's so many people who are quote unquote, you know, woke and they're saying, well, hey, don't you know that everything in the Bible was stolen from other religions and, you know, that includes Jesus, right? <laughs> that <clears throat> Jesus is just, you know, another, he's a knockoff of these other uh, religious uh, demigods and gods. And, you know, uh, that the story of Jesus is on the hieroglyphs in Egypt and all these things. And <clears throat> when you closely examine it, you find out that they're actually not the same stories and they're, they're actually very different, you know, even from um, the story of uh, Horus and uh, I, uh, Isis and Osiris, and, you know, uh, that these things are, don't really connect <clears throat> in the way that uh, people think that they connect and that these stories, um, when people say that they're similar, they're actually not really similar. <clears throat> I think the overall picture, because when the Aztecs, they have their uh, virgin birth, but it's a, 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 a ball of feathers, 400 sons kill their mother, <laughs> right? Yeah. And the son comes out fully grown and armored up, you know, and ready to, you know, fight on behalf of his mother. Um, and they say, well, see, see, Christians stole this from... Actually, that's not even close to the same thing. Right. The, the the point and the thrust of the belief of Christianity is that it's an answer to yeah. the fallenness and the brokenness of man. When yeah. you put Christianity up against all other uh, attempts at explaining what we see in our world, Christianity hands down is the best answer you know now some would argue that of course and they have the right to argue that but at the end of the day jesus was a real person he lived a real life yeah there are events around his life that some would say are hyperbole some would say are legend or myth <laughs> you know that you know they're, they're not to be taken literally you know, there's right. some that would even say that there are parts of the Bible. They'd be like, well, we, I don't take that literally, right? Here's the thing about Jesus, and here's the thing about the New Testament. The New Testament is written in a time where history is probably at its most accurate. Yeah. Um, because history was being recorded very meticulously by the cultures at that time, especially because of the Romans and the Greeks, they were uh, very good at recording and <clears throat> making note 
of their their Caesars, their um, conquests, their wars, their victories, their defeats. And Jesus is in the midst of that. Yeah. He's like right in the middle of all that as a real person who lived, um, who died. The issue that people struggle with, like you said, is the supernatural pieces. Is that hyperbole? Is that mythology? But if you actually take a close examination, the, the story of Jesus is very different from any other cultural mythology and these other the difference between a mythology and jesus is that mythology you're not required to believe the details of mythology you're just you're just you just want to learn the lesson or understand that this is trying to give you an origin for certain things that have to do with that culture jesus is not a myth because he's not trying to give you uh, the the origins of jewish culture he's not trying to give you the origins of anything He's trying to show you that man sinned. There was a need for restoration and reconciliation, and he's the way. And he's for all mankind, not just for a certain set of people. And I think that's where um, he he breaks through the barriers, whereas most most mythology is for a specific culture of people. Right. Um, I want to suggest a, a, a YouTube channel that if you are, if you really, um, dig the historicity of how, of how the, of how the, the idea of, of Christianity and the concept of Christianity interacts with other, um, cultures and, and different belief systems and all of that, um, I will throw a lower third here, um, it's a channel called inspiring philosophy um the guy does um just um a bang up job of of being able to break down and and does like long um long form videos about these different things um and that was actually a um part of the inspiration why um Andrew and from from the Ministry of Misfits and I um, ended up in a, uh, a kind of a tradition of going through and um, doing episodes around doing specials based around uh, holidays um, because this comes up. This has a way of coming up in so many different um, holidays of of is this pagan? Is that pagan? Um, and and. and in the world of TikTok, in the world of short form video and all of that, it is very easy to put anything together and say and say it in a definitive way that makes it sound like, oh, it must be true because it's out there. And if as long as you say it in a compelling enough way, you'll gain a following. You will. It's just the reality of, of humans and the reality that people will follow somebody if if their point is stated in an eloquent enough manner. The problem is, is that it takes a lot longer than 30 seconds on a TikTok video to explain a true statement and actually explain it 
because truth requires um, background. And the reality is, and, and I actually didn't realize this until I started doing um, the, the academic legwork myself on unapologetics and all of that. Um, I used to hear that uh, Jesus came at the right time for the right reason. Well, if Jesus came at the right time for the right reason, I don't, what, what about the, the, what is it? 400 years of silence or something like that, that in between the, they call it's called the intertestamental period. Um, what, why about all of that? Why, how do we know that this is the right per period at the right time? Well, you take somebody like me who has control issues. I'll be the first one to admit I've got control issues. Um, I started off with, it's funny, I started off in my apologetics journey looking for definitive proof, and I was led, if anything, to deeper matters of faith that through, through that process of seeking out truth. Um, because I ended up with this mountain of evidence, um, and it really is a mountain of evidence, to the substantiation of the empty tomb, of the personhood of Jesus, of the, the accuracy of the biblical accounts. Um, and realized I can still accept or reject that. I can still say, because it's still part of, it's still subject to the scientific method. And for those of you that don't know, the scientific method just basically comes down to beyond reasonable doubt. And I'm not one of those guys that believes extraordinary claims ext require extraordinary evidence. I think that's sloppy. I think that's a, I think that's an open door to just allow your preference to run wild on a situation um, and give an excuse to not believe a thing, um, that, that disagrees with your original notion. Um, that might seem harsh, but I, I really believe in the validity of science. Um, I am one of those Christians that I think God gave us the means to understand our world and, and take, take creation. You have, you have all of these people trying to explain creation and all of these people saying, well, something happened and this and that. Well, Okay, so what you're telling me is that something came from nothing in a violent display of power and inertia. Um, well, that sounds familiar. I'm just saying, and I'm, but I, I also don't believe, I don't believe uh, Genesis one and two is a science book. So, I digress. Um, it's so, so so when you look at the time and the place where Jesus came, you don't. It, it's it's it. I don't understand why it's not co more commonly taught that you're talking about some of the most famous figures in history are centered around the same time frame. Mm -hmm. That 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 the Israelite people interacted with a lot of examples from from throughout history that you hear talked about in different ways but you don't realize because it's not commonly talked about that these same people groups were a part of the biblical narrative and by proxy of that through the old testament through the new testament we have examples of documentation from various different people groups that all speak to and substantiate biblical accounts and and really like like i said for those of you that watched the lecture that i gave and if you haven't watched it go over to um brother matthew used to be on kingdom on the road and i'm sure he'll be back one day um but he has his own project called brother matthew 
And um, one of his first episodes, he had me on to basically give a lecture on the substantiation for the empty tomb. Um, the empty tomb is one of those things that I believe because literally that's the most plausible explanation is that the tomb was empty. The rest of the explanations, they leave, they leave it lacking. And, and, and so when, when asking this question to answer again, to go back to literally answering the question, is Jesus a myth? No, but to expound on that, I would strongly suggest that if you're going to ask the question, then have respect for history and academia and understanding and knowledge. It doesn't even need to be born out of a place of having respect for God. Have respect for, for your own self to be educated enough to have a legitimate answer to this question. That if you are asking this question, then take time to answer the question, to accept the, the data as it's presented and go on the journey of investigating these things because there's tons of evidence. And, and if somebody was holding the smoking gun, it would no longer be a matter of faith. And I used to wrestle with that idea of why does it have to be a matter of faith? Because literally the brain is so powerful that it will concoct and hallucinate things out of this, out of the clear blue sky. That's why I went on my apologetics journey in the first place, because I had my supernatural experience and I was, I was half dead when it happened. I was very sick. I was in a very bad way when it happened. And I'm like, did I just have a, have a either like a like what equates to like a near death experience or like did my brain just create this thing that happened to try and reconcile with its own mortality because i don't i don't talk about it often but i i i, I wasn't in a good way so it took me fortifying that supernatural experience with the concrete of historicity to fortify the claims of the Bible. And so, yeah, do the due diligence because there are so many things that history is, has provided for us to be able to follow the breadcrumb trail to say that we can better than any other work walk back through history and verify countless claims that the Bible says and, and substantiate countless figures from biblical history. Yeah. I mean, uh, people can argue it if they want, but like you said, if you have respect for history, um, especially the new Testament, you yeah. know, people can argue about the old Testament because it's in a time where history, um, is, is less, uh, accessible. Right. So there are certain things that uh, may be more of, uh, you know, a spiritual explanation, you know, versus when you get to the New Testament, you know, even just before the New Testament, um, you know, things like uh, the Maccabees talking about the Jews and their interaction, right, with the Romans, right? This is this really happened. Right. And Jesus is born right out of that uh, 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 void for leadership 
he comes right in there, a real person a re- at the real time. Yeah. And what's funny is that he's not your typical hero. Yeah. Right? The people actually, the Jews don't even want him. <laughs> no. You know, so use, usually with mythology, the person is a hero. Everybody rallies to him and yeah, not Jesus. Right. Jesus is the opposite. (laughs) Go ahead. I remember when I was in college, um, my myth and mythologies professor could not stand me because I was that annoying guy asking all of the questions. And and mind you, again, pre-Christianity, not a Christian. Okay. But respect for data respect for if we're going to talk about this i want to know the truth i want to know the realities of the situation as they are even if they suck i want to know the realities of the situation as they are i don't want to live in cupcake fairyland um and so the the professor tried to equate jesus along the same lines as um different mythological figures that um, were were even if they did exist, time has been gracious to them in raising up their status and figure to be no, something more than they yeah to be something more than they were. And I asked a very similar question to what you, to, to what you just posed. I'm like, <laughs> well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. If we believe the Bible to be true. If we if if we if we accept certain historical pieces, I'm not talking about matters of faith. I'm talking about matters of history. If we accept certain his, historical aspects of this to be true, then why wouldn't wouldn't that? How does that make sense? That a a Jewish peasant who was overall hated by the people how would he be lorded and why, how would it, how would it work that such a small group of people pre any means of organization, nobody's got phones, nobody's got electronic devices. It sounds like I'm being nonsensical to make a point, but seriously, we, I think sometimes when we think of the level of organization that it would take for the new Testament authors to be able to orchestrate all of this stuff, if it was a facade, I think we forget that they don't have the means of uh, of organizing in the way that we do today. And 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 so so the level the level of of just sure organization that would be needed also makes it so that way if we are applying the scientific method then that really has a very low probability of happening, and and you raise that whole idea of the Old Testament and the ability to verify the Old Testament versus the New Testament, but. The one thing I will say as far as that goes, I'm not pushing back because you can right. substantiate far more of the New Testament than you can the right. Old That's Testament. That's my only point. That's my well, only yeah. point. Yeah, but, but, I, but I only add the caveat of also looking to how the, new, how the Old Testament can be verified where it's verified because when you look at the sum total of what we have evidence for, that helps you to lend the proper lens on how to substantiate Jesus because no, we don't have written records of Jesus in a very um, pen to paper sort of way because guys, he was a Jewish peasant. He was a Jewish carpenter. That was a blue collar gig 
that that did not leave um historical ripples it, right. it just didn't we have we, to to conceive to try and hold an expectation that a jewish carpenter would bear some kind of impact on history is to not actually understand how history is made Again, seems harsh, but but we got but we got to understand history and historicity in order to really be able to give proper credence to understanding what this looks like. And that's the beautiful thing is that Jesus did come at a time where a lot of the action centering around Jesus were all able to be substantiated. And we go back to 1 Corinthians 15. And, and the fact that Paul speaks very openly about the empty tomb. And the thing about Paul is not everything that he wrote, but a lot of what he wrote, even the staunchest of skeptics will accept the validity of what Paul wrote. And he speaks about the empty tomb and he speaks about Jesus continuing to give credence to and and for those of you wondering, First Corinthians is one of those books that is accepted generally by even the staunchest of skeptics that he speaks about this empty tomb. Okay, so let's let's I, I just I, I I beg let's use a little bit of logic here. Let's let's follow the bouncing ball here. If if we're talking about the empty tomb, then that means that Jesus would have needed to be killed, which means Jesus would have needed to be born. And yes, yes, war is kept secret in Christianity. I hate to burst the bubble of anybody who doesn't already know this. No, Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. But also, no, Christmas isn't pagan. Let's 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 just go ahead and say that. You know, again, um, Andrew and I did an awesome episode on this, but seriously, in 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 depth, in depth study look up inspire inspiring philosophy he is the guy that we took uh, that that we took uh inspiration from and our thing andrew and i's thing is more of the cultural aspect than the historical aspect so just because he wasn't born on december 25th doesn't mean that he wasn't born right and so uh, again is he is is Jesus a myth? No. And 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 do yourself the favor of looking through the lens of accurate history in order to really unpack the levels and layers to asking that question. And I dare you. I dare you to do the same thing that I did allow the questions to bleed into each other. Okay. Well, wait a minute. If Jesus lived, then did Jesus do these different acts? What else of the Bible is, is verifiable? And what if, what if the tomb was empty? Because those are powerful questions to ask if you check your bias at the door and allow the authenticity of history 
to speak for itself. All right, y'all. Um, y'all got quiet on us. So, right. so chime in like th this is not like, yes, we're, we are, we are teaching and we love teaching and we love doing, we love doing this, but we also love interacting with you guys. And so, um, you know, th this is something that we, we want to hear from you guys. Um, if one of you guys has a story of, um, your own apologetic deep dive and working through the history and all of that kind of stuff. Chime in, type it out. Um, we are going to be moving on to the ne to our last question, but but we want to hear from you. And again, if you guys have questions outside of these things, if you want us to explain things that we've been talking about, or if you have your own questions for this Q and A or a future Q and A, chime in below wherever you're watching. So, um, this last one, um, does my, does my nerdy sci-fi loving heart well <laughs> to, uh, answer because this is one that is, um, uh, asked in, in, in a lot of different circles, but, uh, we're going to get weird here for a minute. Um, what is God's view on cloning? Um, and I'm glad that it's asked this way because um there's there's layers and nuance so so ant the last four i've kicked off i'll let you go ahead and roll this roll with this one yeah this one i think this one um uh exposes my age <laughs> because it's something that you know growing up in an era of of sci-fi and being um, uh, a sci-fi movie buff um way back in the day with Total Recall and Demolition Man and, um, <laughs> you know, the, these movies where, you know, either taking, you know, and, and cloning someone or uh, taking someone's consciousness and putting it in this perfect body so that they can live on and all these kind of things. I think a question like this, you know, for me, it kind of trips me up because it's like, what does God think? What's God's view on cloning? And my my thought is, does he have a view on cloning? <laughs> you know, is is does is there something in scripture that speaks to this? You know, or is this fall under the you know, all things are lawful, but you know, not everything's beneficial. Where does this even fall? You know, where do I even start a conversation about what God thinks? Uh, what is God's view? on cloning um and then when i started to actually research it that's when it got interesting because it's like oh uh so uh, cloning or uh, stem cell research these are kind of in the same vein I, you know something yeah. that i hadn't realized you know and how much you know stem cells and our medicine and the things that you know <laughs> that we use on a regular basis, even the vaccination, which a lot of people push back on the vaccination because it contained uh, stem cells and things like that. Like, oh yeah, you're sinning. <laughs> you're taking the mark of the beast. You're doing this and you're doing that. And there's really no scripture. I haven't really found any scripture that even speaks to this. And so 
you would have to do a deep dive of compiling a viewpoint from scripture you know and the um most common view when it comes down to um this type of question is you know god at creation right that god being the creator and when man begins to try to create um life um control life and death you know uh that they are now entering into the realm uh of trying to be god um i'm not necessarily sure and to to be honest when i look at this question i don't know (laughs) i don't know if i actually have a concrete um opinion about this because i don't have concrete scripture to address this and so what is god's view on cloning um like i said the popular ideology is that cloning is man's attempt to create life um on their own and through their own um means which means that there's a possibility that they're they're, that they're playing god um so i i don't this is one that really like I said, it, it, it pokes at my age. Um, this is probably for the newer, you know, younger crowd that, you know, has a, a little more hip to them. I'm a little, I feel like an old fogey looking at this. Like, man, I feel outdated. Are we really talking about cloning? Because I always view that as some sci-fi thing that when it started happening, we would be flying cars. Right, <laughs> you know stuff like that. So, very. I think it's an interesting question. So, one of the things that I find fascinating, and I think it it bears paying attention to, when you do, when you go to your Google machine, and you fire up your Google machine, and you type a question into there, pay attention to the wording of the questions that you get back, the titles of the websites that you get back. If you type in what is God's view on cloning, almost universally, you're going to get back articles and web pages that are titled, What is the Christian Perspective on Cloning? Those aren't the same thing. Now, we can get into the aspects of um whether or not it's it's man playing god and all of that kind of stuff and and you know what there's um i could hear an argument if that's if we're just talking about that version of cloning but um you brought up um vaccines and I'm going to use vaccines, plural, not just the vaccine right. from the last couple of years. We don't have the vaccine for polio. We don't have the vaccine for the flu. We don't have the vaccine. We don't have vaccines in general without cloning technology. So um, a common misconception 
is that in an active sense, stem cells come from aborted fetal, uh, fetal cells. Those cells have been replicated in a lab since probably the 80s. That's not something that like they're not cultivating abortions to to cultivate these cells in a current context. Some people will have you believe that and some people do believe that. But if you do your research that those those cell those stem cells have been um replicated for a very long time. And we don't have some of the um so some of the the remedies that we have for um joints and arthritis and uh oral disease and um and so on and so forth like there's so many that come from stem cells because stem cells are essentially a blank slate and they are used to um restore damaged uh cells within the body um there is a there is a high number of the scientific community that believes that stem cells are going to be the key for curing cancer um and so there's I, I again and we said this about about um some of the other um questions uh i i am a christian that fundamentally understands that christian and christianity and science are not diametrically opposed and it breaks my heart how often i run across christians that um are simply ignorant to science because if you believe in science then you somehow are disrespecting god um and so when you when you look at something like cloning, I, I do think that, that Christians grab for the moralistic answer, the easy answer a lot of the time. Um and and, and I am the type that believes that, well, okay, let's say um a human being can be can have their body restored to a certain degree. Why does that conflict with scripture? Because if God gave these cells and is and 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 gave us the technology and the and the intelligence to develop the technology and we can source these things back to God. Why does that have to be a bad thing? And how does that prevent you from still living your life seeking first the king, the kingdom of God and his righteousness? How does that stop you from not just spreading the gospel for the extended amount of time that you're on this earth? And so... And and I and and when I answer this question, this is one out of any of these questions that we've answered here today. 
uh, th this one in church attendance uh, kind of kind of go go one and two, but I would still I would say that this one is probably takes the cake as the one that I need to be the most aware of myself in answering <laughs> and the most willing to hold this view with an open hand in the event that I am incorrect and I have thought about this thing incorrectly because do I want for there to be, I, so I was having a, I was having a question or I was having a conversation with a, uh, with a guy not that long ago. And I, and I, and we were, we were talking about the thing, the things of the spirit. And we talked about these two examples that we have in the old Testament where these seemingly these men did not die. They just went off with God. They just walked out of this life. And what if that's not off the table? There's nothing in the scriptures that say it's off the table. We've accepted that death is a part of the uh, is a part of the process. But what if walking with God can become so intense and so immersive and so experiential that we literally just walk out of this life and one day we're not here? And And for those of you that that have no idea what I'm talking about, Elijah and um, Enoch are the two are the two examples that from the Old Testament. Um, what what if that's a thing? And and whether or not you were able to restore your carbon based life form was irrelevant. Like you, you, you continue to spend your life and continue to spend your time and all of that kind of stuff. And, and whether, and in the process, you restored your body. Those two things seem to jive perfectly fine to me. And it comes down to any of these, right? I'll go back to, we asked, does God hear the prayers of the unbeliever? What's your intention behind asking this question? Right. Is Why is church attendance important? What's your intention of asking this question? Is Jesus a myth? So we ask these questions and we do these things, what is your intention of doing it? And so I think, I think it's a little too easy to just grab for, well, I, it has to be against some kind of moral code because that's what Christians believe. What if what if God is bigger than all of that? What if we take the Bible at its word and allow for God to be as grandiose as the Bible describes him to be? Then all bets are off. Then then we yeah, we have the paradigm, we have the playground, we have the guardrails, we have those things. Those are just the boundary markers of the playground. What if at that point, what if it truly is? All right, go play. That changes everything. 
Well, <laughs> what do you guys think? <laughs> what is God's view on cloning? I think, like you said, I agree that a lot of times the point of asking a question like this is that people are asking because there's some moral dilemma right? that they're facing. Like, would this be wrong, right, to um, even even any vaccine, not just the vaccine, right, but any vaccine. There's people for a long time Mm -hmm. that have been against any type of vaccination. You know, you have whole belief systems that won't even take a blood transfusion. Right. You know, that that's totally off the table because in their mind, it creates some type of moral dilemma there's some idea of right and wrong when it relates to these things and in medicine in general um is a wrestle is a battle for a lot of people you know from cough syrups to surgery yeah like well should we be doing that is that somehow not having faith (laughs) is that somehow not trusting god you know, um, and so it, 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 when we talk about the cloning, the cloning, because like I said, I grew up in, in an era of sci-fi movies. Cloning was always some sinister thing, you know, that man was trying to do to, uh, quote unquote, cheat the Reaper. So mm-hmm. we're going to we're going to clone ourselves so that we can live on, you know. And I think in the sci-fi movie, you never really think about it as a real viable option. Um, But as life goes on and technology becomes more and more available, these things actually become um, more of an option. And so the question now, what is the ethics that come along with this particular option if it's a real option and i think it's a difficult one and i guess i don't see it as a heaven or hell issue no but some would push back on that right you know some would probably push back on that and say wait a minute you're a pastor you gotta you gotta you know you gotta have a a solid answer for the people (laughs) right you know Yep. Um, and maybe it's just something that I, I, I haven't looked into seriously or hard enough to um, see what scripture says, because I don't want to build an answer with scripture. I think that's, as you, you term you sloppy, that's irresponsible, because you can build an answer to anything from scripture. I'm just going to take this and put right. this together and then we're going to build an answer. But what if scripture doesn't really speak to this? And this is not something that um, we should be creating a moral code in the church over. Um, that when we cross that road, we pray. If our conscience is clear, <laughs> you proceed. If it's not, then don't proceed. Don't do it. And that's going to be my final yeah. answer on this is that if you perceive this to be wrong, then don't do it. Period. Don't mess with it. But don't um, 
don't project that onto other people and make that be their morality, their uh, point of view. But if you feel that it's wrong, then don't do it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I am compelled to point back to virtue ethics when discussing this, because I think when we look at morality through the lens of anything except for more, for, for virtue ethics, we end up in really sloppy situations. Um, one of the things that I have found myself in the midst of is trying to be honest with other Christians who are hot at a place like Target right now. Well, if you're hot at a place like Target and you freely shop at Walmart and Amazon without issue, then um, maybe reevaluate and pick and choose your battles on social media. Just saying, because Target's not doing anything that any other world-based uh, uh, business is is doing. And if you go back to shopping at at Target when they don't have Pride Month stuff out, um, maybe maybe take a step back and 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 rethink what that stance looks like. And I actually got called a blind guide for that one because I wasn't being a moral authority and I wasn't being the moral police about, uh, about things and all of that um, made me laugh. But uh, I, I've, I've been called a lot worse by a lot tougher. So, so there's, there's people that, that may hear my stance on cloning and think, well, wait a minute, didn't you just an hour ago talk about how you were a pastor and now you're sitting here saying something like this, isn't that askew? And to some people it is, but, uh, but I, I, again, um, implore you to take a look at virtue ethics because there's a reality to understanding that um, uh, it would seem like there are whole sections of scripture that do not speak to morality in the way that some of our philosophical perspectives um, try to draw di distinct black and white lines on. And um, I think understanding that helps to make some more of an impalatable um, Bible a little bit more palatable. Um, and so with something like this, sure, I can, I can, I can dig what Ant says, and this is one of those things that like, yeah, no, eventually you, you fall, especially if you go into different topics in a rapid fire fashion, like we have over the last two hours, eh, you're, you're pretty well, you're pretty well bound to find a thing or two that you don't necessarily like. There are aspects of it that you may not necessarily state the same way or may not necessarily agree on or something along those lines. And it's all good. It's all love. It's no, there's no problem with that. And, and hopefully that's an undercurrent along the way that you guys pick up from us because no, we're not carbon copies from one another. We don't see things exactly perfectly the same. We're of two different generations. We're of two different um, tracks and experiences in the whole nine yards. Um, so I would say, yeah, um, check your heart on the matter. Um, I would also say do the due diligence of investigating 
why you think it's why you think it's morally wrong why you think it, why why you what why your stance is what it is be self-aware enough to ask yourself the question why do i believe this because if you're willing to investigate it you may end up in exactly the same part of town i'm not sitting here saying that oh if you investigate this thing you're suddenly going to think like right. me like no this world would be a screwed up place if everybody thought like me but at the end of the day it's important to know why you believe the things because then it means that you are being aware enough to actually investigate these things in a more fully formed sense. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And, and I don't know if there's much more to be said um, uh, without, you know, people chiming yeah. in and giving their perspective, um, you know, that I I'm pretty firmly, um, in my belief that it's this is really a a conscience thing that if you think that this is wrong then it's wrong for you um if this is something that you're comfortable with and you know because i don't think you're going to find a scripture either way that says that this is right right or wrong and if you do build a a doctrine to refute it or to uh, um, promote it you built that that, that scripture that scripture does not teach on this so um right. yeah interesting yep. if this, so if this has been beneficial for you you guys you know send us more questions send us the questions that you would like answers to um and right. give us some time to look them up or research them or answer them because you know that that's really what we want we want the interaction and so jump on and those that jumped on thanks those that'll see this later thank you um yeah yeah and same thing goes for everybody who watches it on replay i know a lot of the facebook viewing audience um views this in in replay form um so you know chime in we'll get them we pay attention to the to the comment section even after the fact um and and yeah so that's a wrap for now. Um, this has been fun. We look forward to doing this again um, in in the future. Um, like Ann said, let us know um, if this was beneficial and what questions we can answer of yours. But until next time, remember two very important things that you are prayed for and you are. If you enjoyed this video, like, subscribe, and share this content with others. Thanks for watching. God bless.